Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. This is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides along the journey to RPG adventures. Role-playing inspiration can come from anywhere, and we use our side quest to explore TV shows, movies, books, and other RPGs that influence our playstyle and storytelling. Whether we draw from intriguing plot points, amazing characters, or, well, you know, just kind of geek out about it, it should be a fun trip, and we're glad you came along for the ride. Now, here's a message from friends of the show. Have you ever wanted a dad and his two teenagers to give you a comprehensive breakdown of classes, races, and planes of Dungeons & Dragons 5e? Have you ever wanted those same people to discuss example characters based on the combat, exploration, and social interaction pillars of D&D storytelling? Do you like listening to three chocolate make terrible puns and trip over the simplest words? Well, then you're in luck. We're the three pillars of D&D casts. And that is exactly what we do. Find us wherever quality podcasts are sold. Welcome everybody to today's episode. I say this every single time that we record, but I am super excited for today's episode. Not only because we're going to be talking about two shows, two animated shows, uh, new over the last uh, over the last year or so, but uh, Liwanika and I are actually here recording in person in the same room. He is five feet from me. I cannot contain how happy I am. How happy this makes me. This is incredible, because here we are recording at TTJ Studios South. <laughs> exactly, And right? when I say South, it's not deep South. It's we not don't that have South, snakes, yeah. gators, or anything yeah. fun like that. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and the weather can still yeah. hurt your face in the winter. Yeah, we do have a hurricane coming But, <laughs> you know, we are, we are, we're not storm chasers trying to get out in front of it. So we're recording a day earlier yep. than our dear French friend Henry decides to strike landfall yep. in New England. Already, uh, yeah. But we are still going to do the thing. Sun is shining currently. Some clouds in the sky. Yeah. Uh, ominous warnings loom for 24 hours from now. But right <laughs> now, we're bringing you much cooler stuff. We're exactly. bringing you the stuff that makes your heart sing exactly. with all kinds of geek glory. Uh, so much geek glory today. Because today, we're going to get into, like I said, two animated shows from the last year uh, that we both loved. We've already done one episode on The Bad Batch. Uh, we're going to talk another... We're going to do another episode right now about how The Bad Batch Season 1 ended. Uh, and boy, how that show uh, went right for the heartstrings and just kind of like punched in the face a couple times uh, to go ahead and end there. And yet not in an unexpected way. And we'll get into that in just a minute. Um, but we're also going to be talking about uh, a 
awesome show on the CBS Viacom uh, uh, channel, uh, a streaming service in the Star Trek vein. We're going to be talking about Lower Decks. We're going to talk about uh, kind of season one and what our thoughts are on season one and what we hope from season two. Now, uh, uh, at this point that we're recording, there are two episodes out in season two. Uh, I have not had the chance to watch either one of them. Liwanika has only watched episode one. So neither one of us have really seen very much of season two. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about kind of uh, uh, where it wound up and where we think it's going to go. But for the most part, I don't think that uh, season two spoilers, uh, uh, there are no season two spoiler alerts. If you haven't watched season one, you got to hurry up and get on that. But our Bad Batch conversation is going to be super spoilerific. (laughs) So uh, we're going to drop the hammer on the spoilers of Bad Batch. Oh, yeah. For those of you who haven't seen it, uh, I feel sorry for your lives. (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, you know that's no tongue-in-cheek really yeah if you are bothered by spoilers about bad batch and you have not seen this get call right with somebody, yourself get, get a friend to bail you out of jail <laughs> um you know get somebody to pay for that ticket to uh, get you out of borneo the, whatever it's going to take <laughs> you you and actually most of the people i know in borneo have already seen it, have so. already seen it. <laughs> <laughs> um you know this is just one of those things where if you are star wars and you are not watching bad batch Somebody needs to get you get you right with this. Yeah. Um, if it's a factor of this is a premium plus service in order to get this thing, I get that. Yeah. Finances are finances. The real world is the real world. Find a phone a friend. I mean, yeah. hashtag phone a Star Wars friend. Get somebody to help you get watch this. Yeah. Um, you know, and I would say the same thing about Paramount Plus. There are so many streaming services. I get it when people have to make value decisions. Which one's going to have enough for me to get? That makes sense to me. Yep. Team up with your buddies. Yeah. One person get one service, one person get another service. Group watch the hell out of this. Oh, stuff. yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's just too many good things to let leave lying around and yeah. not, not see. I mean, there has been a meme floating around on the internet about how everything that John Favreau has touched in geekdom culture over the last two or three years has just been absolute gold. And it's so right. I mean, basically, he he has taken the Star Wars Enterprise and said, you know what? Just come with me, little buddy. Like, you've been beaten up a little bit. Like, my friend JJ did you a little wrong. My friend Ryan, you did you a little wrong. Things have been a little rough lately. Come see Uncle John. Uncle John's going to make you feel better. I, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you this Tony Stark treatment. Yep. Yep. You're going to end up far better than you've ever been before. Ah, so good. I mean, and, and and let's start there. Let's just start with Favreau because he's awesome. Oh. I have been a fan of Favreau since Swingers. Yeah, absolutely. Swingers, fantastic film. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's wonderful. That's something where he chose not to take studio money because he wanted his vision to come through. Yeah. He brought his buddy uh, and and honestly every for every movie that Vince Vaughn has done that you like, we owe Favreau for that. Yep. Because Favreau brought Vince Vaughn and though Vince Vaughn pretty much plays Vince Vaughn and that is his one character that he plays. He it's an awesome character for one. And for two, it would have never happened if it wasn't for Swingers. Yeah. And and you know, you know what? To to Favreau, your money and yeah. and you don't even know it. I, I want to be Vince Vaughn when I grow up. It's true. Um uh and so really, like the with John Favreau starting with The Mandalorian and just how good that show was. Like I'm going full full William Shatner on that just how good that show was season one season two probably two of the most kick-ass seasons on television 
I, that I can remember. Like it's it's been like within the last five years for sure. Like I, like like there's some competition in there. We're gonna get into that in another episode when we start talking about Superman and Lois about how good that show is. Yeah. And even still, uh, so we we alluded to it uh, in our last episode about how we're starting a TTJ awards show and how that's gonna be coming up. We created a category specifically for guest appearances in The Mandalorian because yeah, John Favreau so, so smart in pulling people like Bill Burr into the show. You know, uh, uh, Giancarlo Stanton, like, oh my God, <laughs> so amazing. The characterizations, uh, the, the, the characters that they do, the connectiveness that they do, the fan service that's not tongue-in-cheek, but is tongue-in-cheek. Everything about it yeah. is great, and that's just what Favreau does. Yeah. It is, he did it with Iron Man in, in the way he put that together. He gave fans the pieces that they needed to know. He updated the things that needed to be updated, and he and, and yet, um, while it started the Marvel, the MCU, it fit within the MCU. What he's done for the MCU uh, will never be under can, yep. ne- can never be overstated. Like you can't ever get to how critical he is and was to making that happen. Iron Man was in effect just this side of an indie flick, very much like Swingers was an indie mm-hmm. flick. It had some studio backing, it had whatever, but it was it was not believed to be work out well, so it was basically left alone. Yep. And <laughs> and you can't beat that. Nope. And now that he's proven I've got the formula, now he gets all the studio money, and guess what? They're yeah. still leaving him alone. They're still leaving him alone, exactly. <laughs> because every wow. every time he touches anything, it turns to gold. And so I think your comment about fan service brings us exactly where we want to be when we start talking about the Bad Batch and how the Bad Batch ends. And I know that we alluded to this in the earlier episode about how, how well the Bad Batch is serving as a steward to the previous animated series. Like that's a huge piece of why the Bad Batch works because it pays so much service to the Clone Wars and to Rebels in particular Um, in the characters that it introduces, in the tone that it sets, in, in the plot lines that it talks about. It absolutely knows where it comes from and it... You know, sometimes that can lead to a situation where a show is is too neatly in a corridor and it's not afraid to branch out. The Bad Batch is not that show. The Bad Batch knows exactly where it's coming from and it is not afraid to go ahead, to go ahead and take on juggernaut plots uh, with, within its scope. Uh, and it's just so masterfully crafted. And let's just go into themes. Star Wars in general in the films was about this grand space opera. The Clone Wars was about, guess what, a war. I didn't realize that on my first viewing of the Clone Wars, but yeah. I, I'm in the middle of a second viewing of the series, yeah. start to finish, I'm in, in the towards the end of season two now. And I'm like, they're legitimately talking about war. We are seeing people die. We're seeing yeah. battles fought. We're seeing ground taken and lost. We're seeing actual missions that are akin to fantastically described, of course, but akin to the types of missions. We're destroying supply lines. We are just, you know, uh, we are taking care of uh, resource management yep. issues, things like that that are that, that are involved. And they're hitting these themes. And I'm like, wow, does anybody realize how unusual it is for yep. a show to do this? A, a cartoon to Look, do this. I'm not trying to pit Star Wars versus Star Trek. I'm a huge Star Trek fan. It's yep. in my heart and soul. But... Star Trek rarely does this. 
And when it does, it's phenomenal, by the way. That's called yep. DS9. Uh, the Dominion uh, War. Um, exactly. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But um, so when you're looking at, at the Clone Wars and you're like, wow, where does this come out? Then it's like, let's take one unit and let's do their story. Yep. And I have not gotten to the final season yet. I've uh, never seen the final season yet. Uh, I'm working towards it. And I look forward to it with bated breath. But all I can say is if it's anything like what I'm seeing in The Bad Batch, I'm going to be in for some of the best television yeah. in my life. I, I'm almost ashamed that we're sitting here recording an episode when really I should be sitting this man in front of his television set and making him watch the last season of The Clone Wars. Because holy crap, you are in for it. I'm not like, look, you know what happens. Yeah. But, but, but. Wow. Yeah. Sometimes knowing yeah. what happens and seeing yeah, but seeing how, how they do it, it happens yeah, yeah, uh, are two entirely different things. Absolutely true. And and I, and I use this as an example, and we talked about it in our earlier episode. Seeing Order sixty six in Revenge of the Sith, and then seeing it from Caleb Dune talking about yep. it in, in Rebels. Rebels. And then seeing it where he's the child being observed by the Bad Batch at the beginning of this show. Yep. Wow. Yep. So much different color depth. Yeah. Perspectives. It just gives all these different perspectives. Yeah. Now you understand where Caleb Dune was in Rebels by seeing where he was as a kid when Order 66 happened. Now you understand why Caleb Dune was the way he was in Rebels because of what he saw in, in the Bad Batch and the way that they're, the, the way that they're handling the timelines, the way that they're, it's like you've got all these various threads and John Favreau is just basically taking all the threads in his fist and saying, y'all are the same thing. Let's all play together in the sandbox. It's really a good time, you know, and so good like the um um the bit when he was uh, uh before the whole plot line with the with the Kamadar, um the the uh the the rebel uprising plot in, in bad batch in the last oh yeah, yeah. on uh, on on the twilight home uh, yes yeah, yeah exactly yeah uh when we're talking about the rebel uprising on ryloth uh and harris and Dula's family uh we yeah. are into all the goods yeah. all the goods such a perfect, perfect, perfect way to go. Yeah, and the introduction of Hera. I mean, that's like, oh, yeah. you know, so like, and again, just like we saw with Caleb Dune, seeing where did Hera start? Where did Hera get her first? What was she doing as a child? Where did she go? You know, only to go ahead and see kind of how far she went. Actually, we saw Hera in Clone Wars season yeah. one when they liberated Ryloth. Yes, that's the absolutely. first time. Yep. So that's when I first saw her. And what I, now, so here's the deal. I'm watching Bad Batch. Live, I yeah. watch it weekly. Right, yeah. I am rewatching Clone Wars at the same time. Ah. I have, I literally finished Rebels the week before the first episode of Bad Batch. Nice, nice. So I went from Rebels without any doubt, mostly Hera's story, then turned around and uh, and watching Bad Batch just as they're getting to Ryloth in Bad Batch is when the Ryloth episodes of Clone Wars happened. Nice. So I literally were, was watching, watching both sides these of it. Yeah. three things all at once. Nice. And I'm like, now it makes sense. Yeah. So I actually got all the parts in a row. Like, you could literally just peel off the three episodes of Clone Wars. You could put in yeah. uh, the episodes of Bad Batch and then roll into Rebels. And you could do, like, uh, those old video things where they just take pick out... Specific yep. episodes to tell one particular arc yeah. for a character in Star Trek or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You could do that with Hera right now, just based on those three shows. Nice. And you're all and, and you're all over. It. Nice. Yeah. That that would be that would be a hell of a series. I'm mean, a, a hell of a, of a sequence because 
Look, I mean, the whole thing with The Bad Batch is that The Bad Batch is the sequel trilogy movie part one that we all wanted, right? Yes. Instead of getting the whole thing with with Dux and with the First Order and with the appearance of Kylo Ren, like I get that that's a, I get that the, that the movies were telling a different story, but this emergence of the Empire story is really... I, I guess excuse me. I guess it's not the sequel trilogy. I guess it's it's the prequel trilogy. The prequel trilogy, right? Yeah. With the with the you know kind of immediately after Revenge of the Sith. This is the story about the emergence of the Empire that we yeah. wanted, right? And and how the Empire begins to take shape and the changes that the Empire begins to put in, so that the masses on the planets that they're trying to subjugate remain subjugated, right? Like subtle, subtle things that are never actively like talked about in any real way, but things like one of the first things that they did when they, when they, when the empire launched and when they're like, Nope, we're now empire. Now the first thing that they did, none of your money is any good. Unless you come to us and register with us and change in your money, you can't buy anything. Right. Yep. Imperial credits all of a sudden overnight, worthless. Yep. Absolutely worthless. And and now let's let's take that one step further. In, in a much maligned and I believe absolutely incorrectly maligned movie, Han Solo. Yeah. That was one of the key elements of the early part of that film was the complete economic devastation. Yep. On Corellian and all these other places yep. that the that the Empire created. And then using that devastation as a recruiting tool. Hey, you're destitute. You're broke. You can't feed your yep. family. Join the you're military. not a citizen. Join the military. And we've yep. got you. Look, the real world is riff with this type of activity. Yeah. It is how it's been done by dictators generationally yeah. for as long as people have been on this planet and grouping in numbers greater than 30. Yeah. If, if people don't have resources... It's easier to get the able-bodied men generally, but people in general uh, in a proper society, yeah. it's easier to get the able-bodied to work towards or work on behalf of or yep. for a dictator if it's the only way those people can feed their family. Good people can be led down a bad path yep. if their children are hungry. Yep. And that's what the Empire did. That's what they're showing. Ugh. And what we're watching through the eyes of clones, people who are basically designed for one purpose and have had all the resources provided them to them to survive and do that purpose. One, out on the outs. So now they have to fend for themselves. Two, they are witnessing people having to make those decisions. Like, why would you do that? Why would you turn around? Like, we were told that honor means this. I understand it's an order, but that order isn't honorable. What yeah. do I do here? Yeah. Why would I do that? You know, and then you've got some people looking at you, Crosshair. Well, uh, those are orders. Yeah. You know, that central conflict has been played out in the hearts and minds of soldiers and service people. For generations. In, okay. Infinitum. Yeah. And so, so often in the last century. Yep. And, and, and in the early parts of this century. So... I truly appreciate as a vet the way they've handled it. Yeah. I don't think the show has demeaned soldiers in any way. I think it's actually celebrated professional professionalism and professional soldiers exceptionally well. And yet still talk about individuals make choices. Yep. 
And I think that's where this really sings. Uh, we're probably going to jump right into the big spoiler of the season at this well, point. Well, I mean, yeah, uh, I mean I'll, yeah. let Josh, I'll let Josh start yeah. us off on that. But I'm going to use this as our segue yeah. because I think that's the issue. Yep. We are all led to believe that people make us make choices. People yep. make us do things. We have little chips in our head that tell us to do what or what not <laughs> else. And we want to believe when somebody does something bad that somebody else made them do it. Yep. And then Bad Batch comes along and sings us a different song. A different song. They tell us how the real world actually works. Yep. And it is, I've always been this way. Yep. Yep. Uh, before we get into how the Bad Batch season one ends, I do want to go ahead and talk on one little point. And we're going to talk about it a lot more in the next episode that we're going to record when we talk about Superman and Lois. But your whole bit about how soldiers are soldiers at the end of the day and and they're going to question those orders, but at the end, but they're they're going to use their own morality to kind of figure out how to work within the system. That's the number one reason why I think Sam Lane at the end of season one of Superman and Lois, he's not going to be able to keep his hands out of the pie. He's going to, he, Sam Lane is going to have to pick up some other role to keep himself busy. You want to talk about, about you've got soldiers being soldiers. You've also got grandparents who have worked for 60 years of their life, who can't stay out of the garage tinkering on things because that's all that they've ever known. That's where Sam Lane is going to find himself in Superman and Lois. I guarantee it. We'll talk about that more in the next episode that we're going to record. But the yeah. big spoiler, and Lee Winnie talked about it, Crosshair. Crosshair, Crosshair. Now, we, we one of all... The yeah. One of the best antagonists... Right. Thank you for not using ever, the word bad guy, because... Ever, ever, yeah. to grace our screens uh, 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 yep. uh, there. Yep. And I'll even go one step further. I'll take a tabletop for, for our audience. If yep. you're going to play an edgelord, if you're going to play the guy who is lawful evil, let's say, Crosshair is your template. Yep. Because he has a code. Yep. He knows why he's doing what he's doing. Yep. And yet he still cared about his team enough while he set him up and he put oh. him in really bad positions. Oh. His goal at the end of the day was to help them turn to his way of thinking, to his way of thinking. not to end them. Yeah. That's how you play evil. Oh, that and, was... and that's how you get it done. And I can't... Mr. Filoni. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Filoni. I am merely a humble podcaster. You're not humble. <laughs> a, a dear friend, even though you've never met me, and a celebrator of all the things that you've been bringing into my life for the last uh, several <sighs> years. And all I can tell you is thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much oh, for this thank you. character. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for this story, because I cannot fathom how perfectly done that was. Ah, so good. And, and, and honestly, I called it at the beginning. You did. But I did not know how it was going to happen. I knew what was going to happen. Yeah. I didn't know how. We all knew that We all knew that he was going to come back. We all knew that Crosshair was going to come back. And this was even before it had even really been super uh, revealed that he was... That they were kind that that crosshair was kind of working alongside of them to try and and heading towards this collision course. So like we knew it was going to happen, but we did not know the scope of it. We really didn't, and yeah. we and we didn't know crosshair's motivation. Yeah. We all assumed up until two or three episodes before the end of the season, we all assumed that Crosshair's chip was just still working, and so he was under control of the Emperor. That's what we all assumed. Yeah. And man, when they ripped that Band-Aid off. And he was like, no, my chip doesn't work. I just think they're right. It's like, wait, what, 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 no. <laughs> what? 
and to add to that, like oh. you can hear this in my voice. I like I was like this oh. is the same stutter I was doing when I was watching this at like some crazy hour of the evening because I was watching it on a Friday night. I was hurt. Oh yeah, it hurt me in a way that shows don't hurt me. Like we all have shows that we really love, and and groups or families on shows that we really love. Like. I am a huge Friends guy, right? So I love yeah. Friends. When bad things happened to the characters on Friends, I felt that. Like, when they had an episode where one of the characters was in the room and rain was falling and they thought everything was terrible, I felt terrible. <laughs> I felt with those characters, right? And there are multiple different situations that we've been through that that uh, that, that we on television that we feel for. Yep. I have never felt like this for an animated family yep. like I did here. When Crosshair told Hunter, I've always been this way. Yeah. I felt that. Yeah. I, and that was painful. Oh, yeah. That was painful yeah. in, in, to my core because on some level, maybe not as grand as you see in Star Wars, we've all had that situation where there's somebody that we kept hoping would be better. We kept hoping they'd do the right thing. Yeah. They, we kept hoping that they'd come along. And then... But they've always been revealing themselves to not yep. be that person. When somebody tells you who they are, believe them, right? Yeah. It's like, it's that whole thing. Yeah. Um, and beyond that, though, like, yeah, that whole that whole realization that they didn't want to believe who Crosshair was, uh, was, was painful. What was infinitely more painful, though, was when they wrote it in such a way that all of a sudden you are sympathizing with Crosshair because it's like they did leave him behind. Oh, he was the one that was betrayed by the rest. Like, he didn't do anything wrong. He was following his own convictions. He was following his own morals. He was following his own plan. He didn't do it. They left him behind. And you talk about oh. family, but you didn't give me a second chance. Oh, God. And then I'm when he gives give, them a second chance. I'm going to give you oh. the second chance you never killer. gave me. It's absolutely killer. Oh, my Lord. And then they oh. punctuate all that in the final episode. With Omega yep. sitting with Crosshair. Yeah. Uh, what do you want? <laughs> you know, and, and she's like looking at him and the way the, my mm. dear friends, the artistic and animation team at uh, The Bad Batch. Ugh. You don't know me. I'm just a humble podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> and I must thank you and thank you and thank you from the bottom of my heart. The expression on these characters' faces Ugh. in some of these close-up dramatic scenes is amazing. They studied their Shrek. The, I mean, you've done wonderful things with earlier episodes yeah. uh, and other things. I'm sure this is a similar team to the team that was put together for Rebels or, yeah. or what have you. But uh, So I know you've done good scenes before. You knocked that out of the park. This might be one of the best dramatic animated scenes I've ever seen. Uh, so amazing. But the look on uh, Omega's face when she's like... But we're family. But we're family. And Crosshair is just like, not going to change. Yeah. Like, I think up to that moment, I was still in the belief that after all this, the Empire bombing the city, yep. we were going to get that dairy trophy. The the well, they hate me too. I'm always going to be the edgelord, but I might, I might as well, as well come join with my, family. my family, right? Yep. I really thought we were going to get that Ugh. until the look on Omega's face. Yep. And as much as all of me wants to get that end, even if it's at the end of the series, I almost hope that they never give us that. I, yeah, I, no. I, I, I think this will always be more powerful yeah. to just realize there are some people that are just going to be at odds with you. 
Now, you can respect them. You can work with them. You can work, not work with them. You can avoid them. There's a whole lot of different ways that can go yep. and plenty of dramatic room to build stories from that. The fact that it looks, at least thus far, that we're never going to get that kumbaya moment, that says yep. something powerful about life. And let yep. me just say this. This is done on Disney+. Plus. While it is slightly more mature, this is something that they expect younger audiences to be watching. Yep. And we live in a world where life lessons are not being taught or displayed. I don't think taught's the right word I want to use. But they're certainly not being displayed in media well. Well, I think they are, but I, I don't think the right ones are being taught or displayed. Uh, or taught or displayed in, in media or in, in, in their struggles. I think there are a lot of pe pe young people that are not understanding some of the real ways the world works. We're not displaying that well. We are either giving them that this is how it should be or this is really wrong, but we're not giving them this is how it is often enough. And I think this is a great depiction, obviously dramatically elevated, yep. but a great depiction of how some elements of this real world actually are. Yep. There are situations, there are people that all of us went to high school with college with played football with played football with <laughs> that on some level you just realize we're not the same anymore and we nope. have to accept that yep. that doesn't mean we were wrong for when we were cool and when we were getting when we were thrown out and having a blast that yep. doesn't make either of us wrong what it does mean is we have to understand where yep. we are just makes and we have compatible. to understand where we go yep and that's not something you see on television often enough and i think that was so brilliantly yep. done as to say Bad Batch? Hell yeah. Yep. Hell yep. Let's shift gears here because I think all of, I think both of us need to cheer up here. So because <laughs> that's that's harsh. That's, well, that's hard. Before we do yeah. that, let me just say this. All that to say the action, phenomenal. Oh, so good. Every the bombing, the, the whole bombing of Kamadar was just amazing. Yeah, we we every character had had a moment in this. Uh, I think except for Wrecker was the only one in the last two episodes. Because Wrecker, because Wrecker gets every moment. Like yeah, he had like, almost every moment like that, and like, almost every like that, other episode. Like that's the thing is that he's always got the one liner. He's always got the, yeah. Like that. That's yeah. that. Uh, but I mean, but Easy had yeah. their moment. Crosshair had moments. Yeah. Hunter had moments. Uh, Tech had a fantastic yeah. moment. Brilliant moment. And I do yeah. want to talk to mention this. Uh, at one point, uh, when people are questioning Crosshair, Tetra steps up and he's like, this is who he's always been. Yeah. You just refuse to see it. Yep. And Crosshair took that moment to say, ah, so I'm converting you. That's not his exact phrase, but that's effectively what he did. Right. And then Tech just turns to him on a dime and Tech just turns to him and says, just because I understand you does not mean I, I agree, agree with, with you. you. Yep. And then turned and walked. He wasn't down for the argument. He wasn't here to debate was he yeah. just wanted to make it clear i get you i see you yep, yep. and i'm out yep all right so Woo! let's turn that page let's turn that page all right and let's get fun right. let's get funny let's get funny because because uh, really uh we talk about you talked about it earlier about how uh how well star trek handled some of the concepts that we see throughout star wars when they did the plot line with the dominion war and the uh the stuff in tng and the stuff in ds9 i mean like that that conversation that picard has with goma set in 
the in in the conference room on the Enterprise. Yeah. You know when when Gomeset is lying and Picard knows that Gomeset is lying and Gomeset is getting all defensive and Picard just shuts him down and says, "I'm going to let you walk out of this room, but you got to understand, we'll be watching." get the my ship <laughs> you know like that moment is like a chill inducing moment brilliantly act by patrick stewart what is really great about lower decks is that this is one thing that i'm not sure star trek has ever done very well and that's really really funny comedy like yeah. really like flat out funny comedy like yeah, not it, even like it, it, it's not it, even really playing like it's yeah, really fun there does this is for the purposes of fun however it is also, in a very meta sense, poking fun at the meta of everything that goes on oh, yeah. in Star Trek and in the genre as a oh, whole. Yeah. And how ridiculous some of the stuff that happens on Star yeah. Trek is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and and still have fun on it with it and still be able to be canon. Um, you know, the fact that this is by the Rick and Morty creators yep. is it has everything to do with its stylistic yep. choices. Yep. And Look, I've never watched Rick and Morty, but I know that people are fans of it. I know that it's very funny. I'm told I would really love it. I just haven't gotten to it. That's really what it comes down to. But what I can tell you is, because I'm a Star Trek fan, I'm fine with this. I don't have to go much further. I love this, and I'm happy with what I'm getting. It's being absurdist with all the tropes. Yeah, You know, um, but but even still, you get these episodes, you get these moments where it's like, Wow, that is pure Star Trek. We're, I'm talking pure back to the original stuff and the fan service. Oh my goodness, they're talking about Gary Mitchell yeah. in the in the first episode, uh, and, and and the cast at Star Trek Lower Decks is yeah. fan. Yeah. I, I got to say too, one of my favorite. You know, you talk about the about the casting and about uh, about how it is true Star Trek. I love the way that Riker portrays himself in Lower Decks. Yeah, like it is. It is absolutely a character of what we have come to believe is the real William T. Riker. Which and is, in, in my opinion, it's Jonathan Frakes. It's Jonathan Frakes. Yeah, yeah this is Jonathan Frakes having fun. Look, I've seen Jonathan Frakes in lots of different. Yeah, elements and things. He's done lots of different things, but whenever you see him do an interview or whatever, and and I don't know him personally. Yeah, he's of all the Star Trek actors that I've had the pleasure of meeting, he's not one of the ones I've had the oh, pleasure of meeting. Too bad, uh, which is a shame because I would love to meet him. By the way, his birthday was just the other day. Happy oh, birthday! Happy birthday, Jonathan, Jonathan Frakes. Frakes. Yeah, I just think he's amazing. Yeah, he knows what's funny. Yeah, and there's nothing he's doing in the show that, quite honestly, if he was on his own ship. I wouldn't see him doing live action. No, totally. and, yeah. and, and and I say this because in a much maligned Star Star Trek film, Insurrection, <laughs> when he's walking around smooth as a baby's butt, <laughs> you know, uh, he makes these lines. And, and look at, well, I'll put it to you this way: only Riker on the bridge of a sovereign class starship says, "Give me the joystick." And that's <laughs> what I say, but, but that's what he did. Yeah. And that was badass. That was badass. Like, who flies a ship like that with a freaking <laughs> that, that can't be as much control as some other methods. All, all but that Riker, leg cocked up, he's on it. <laughs> all that you need to know about William T. Riker is that he was able to win. I, I say win like she's a prize. She's not, but able to woo Deanna Troy away from the uber masculinity of Lieutenant Commander Worf. That's all you need to know about Riker right there. Yeah. There's, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of implications baked into that pie. Let's just yeah. kill, let's just yeah. put it that way. Yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and, and I, I tell you what, first of all, charisma exudes oh. when he's on live film, and it exudes when he's being recorded. He's just brilliant. <gasps> just brilliant. Wait a minute. Riker's role. a bard. Is he a bard? He plays trombone. He does play trombone. And he's charisma. Out- he, he is charisma based. William Riker's a bard. Okay, so at some point we're going to put this episode out. I'm going to send it to a couple of my uh, stat this Facebook groups. Yeah, and I got to say, I need someone to help me uh, stat out uh, Captain Riker Wait, as, as a bard. A bard. <laughs> like, it feels so wrong. Like, like I don't see him casting a whole lot of spells. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he is, or maybe he is. I mean, that's. I mean, think about the spells that bards get. Like yeah. you know. Yeah, they're, and, they're and all he, persuasion based. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, he's awesome. He's got. Yeah. It. <laughs> I, 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 I can see that. <laughs> I, I don't. That's. That. Huh. But, but you know, totally derailed the show. We absolutely derailed the show. Uh, back to lower death yeah. and a one and a two, a two and, and a three. three. <laughs> see now, now when I dance, you can see me. Um, so anyway, <laughs> lower decks. Just like in general, the way that lower decks takes again, it, it kind of takes this this super serious kind of Star Trek happening plot and just makes it ridiculous. Like, I mean, just like the fact that like, you know, when it shows all like these scenes in the bunk room down in the bay where they're all like crammed in together because, you know, they're just lower level officers. They don't get full yeah. accommodations and stuff like that. Just the way that they uh, weave in sort of that junior level ridiculousness with the senior level plot lines uh, is, is fantastic. And there's still good narrative meat on the bones of this story. I mean, just, oh, yeah. you know, the fact that, um, you know, the fact that she is the captain's daughter. Yep. You know, again, spoiler alert for season one, but season two has started. So get on that. You know, but the fact that like they've got like this inter-family and that like when that reveal comes, it's like, oh, that's why she's the way that she is. And that's why the captain is the way that she is. Like, okay, now this all makes sense. Um, but like that just little connection between them just is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Jack Quaid playing Boimler. Mm. How perfect is is that? Oh, like fabulous. Like so, the interesting thing is, I started watching The Boys about the time mm-hmm. season one, about the time that I started watching Lower Decks, and I instantly recognized his voice as being the same actor. Yeah. And I did find that that was really cool because I can almost picture his character from The Boys if he was a couple hundred years in the future in a different universe yeah. being Boimler. Like, I actually saw that. <laughs> and I'm like... And, and, and some similar traits, right? Right. Looking for somebody to kind of direct him, like a bit aimless, uh, looking for somebody to steer his energy. Like a strong character... But needing some direction, and in the, and in in Boimler's case, Beckett's doing that. In the case of his character in the Boys, you've got Butcher doing that. Yep. Uh, and then you've got some of the other characters uh, in the Boys trying to like, don't listen to Butcher. He's gonna, he's gonna put you in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, don't do that, dude. Yeah. And yet the strongest personality seems to be winning, and I think that that's uh, an interesting uh, niche that Jack Quaid has found himself in and I love what he's doing with the role. Yeah. The Boys is not a show that we have talked about a lot, but we should. Uh, At at this point, the show has kind of come and gone, so it's not like... Is that because they're not making new episodes anymore, are they? Oh, yeah, they're doing season three. Oh, they're doing season three? Yeah. Okay, well, I stand corrected. Um, we'll have to go ahead and talk about that. Jensen but, uh, Eccles will be in the next season. I like it. I like where that's going. But yeah, you're absolutely right, though. Like, the talent that, that Jack Quaid is bringing to that role is fabulous. And just the interaction. I mean, we have seen the 
uh, straight-laced character paired up with the... I'm not even going to call her morally gray, because I don't think she's morally gray. I think she's still, like, like lawful good at the end of the day. I think she's wild. Yeah, she's just wild, right? Yeah. And she... Chaotic. And, 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 and she... <laughs> right. And she, she sort of... She has run with, with elements that help her get what she wants, even though she does not necessarily subscribe to their ideology, right? Yep. And so it's kind of a it's kind of a, a take on that whole straight laced, not straight laced character and their interactions and together. And the buddy cop yeah. feel. And the buddy cop feel exactly good cop, bad cop, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like in lethal, uh, not lethal weapon. Um, uh, yeah, Le- lethal weapon. Lethal yeah, weapon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like you've you've got you've got good cop, you've got bad cop, you've got wild cop, you've got straight cop, yeah. and how you know? Here we go. I mean, it's, it's yeah. Turner and Hooch. I mean, it's you know, you throw them into a car and I, I, comedy I, I, and suits. Tool for this. Shit. <laughs> exactly. You know, um, supposed to retire in two weeks. Yeah, Briggs, what yeah. are you doing to me? <laughs> <laughs> so, By the way, yeah. in, a, in, a, in, a, in a quick, you will get this joke later. That's where the name, the second name for my character, Paxton yeah, Riggs, Paxton Riggs from, yeah. comes from Lethal Weapon. You, you, you will hear about Paxton Riggs in the near future. Yeah. So. yeah. so I think that season one, at the end of the day, was a lot of, it was a lot of table dressing, right? It was a lot of, we're, we're trying to explain who all these characters are. We're going to introduce some plot points here and there, a little bit, a little bit of sauce, a little bit of spice, a little bit of this. But there's a lot of table dressing. There wasn't really a super lot that happened season one. Yep. So where does this leave us? Hoping with season two starting, and you've seen episode one of season two. Yep. What are we hoping from season two? And I guess I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of answer my own question a little bit here, and I'm in fact answering my question with the question in general. I want a little bit more sauce. I want a little. I want to see a little bit more Star Trek. I think that they focused a lot on being kind of an anti-Star Trek show. I want to see a little bit more Star Trek. So for me, and I get where you're coming from, I would nuance your statement a shade, right? I would say that the show wasn't so much anti-Star Trek as it touched on some themes. Like, I love the concept of this is the second contact ship. Because in Star Trek, we're dealing with the mate, the best yep. of the best, the best ship, yep. the best crew. And we're talking about the bridge yep. officers. So we're talking about the best of each of the teams <clears throat> that are there. Right. Like everything is the best of the best, right? Yep. So these guys are high level experts doing high level things. They get there, they do the thing, they do the job. And then it's left for the grunts to come in afterward to get the work done. And this is, and I don't say grunts in a negative way. I'm saying that as a guy who's a combat engineer. So, uh, while yeah. not a grunt, uh, yeah. mad love for 11 Bravos out there. I mean, you probably um, did a lot of second contact. I got to tell you, um, <laughs> as a 12 Bravo, our job was basically to be that. Yeah. We build the things after other people go in and take the dirt. Yeah, right, exactly. Or yeah, yeah. You were basically we second contact. Yeah. do things to make sure other people can't take the dirt as we're leaving. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what the job entail. I love that concept. It really does speak to me on that level. And I love the fact that many of the episodes, including the first episode of season two, start with them just doing that job. It's, hey, we're building the thing. We're about to wrap up here. Tanny wants to wash a building. That's actually one of the things <laughs> that takes place. Um, and they're like, and everybody's like, well, I guess washing a building can't really be a breach of the, uh, of the Prime Directive. So go for it. You know, and, and and chaos ensues. Yeah. But um, that's one of the things that I really like about the show is that it is showing some of the other elements of what's there. What I want from it, and I don't think I've seen quite enough, though there have, they have done it with name drops and things like that, is I want to weave in other things. Like, on a couple of occasions, we've gone to a place that 
the Enterprise went to, the uh, Enterprise D went to, or what have you. Now I want to visit some other. Let's let, let let's see what the Sonar are up to. Yeah. Uh, let's let's see the other things. And I and but I don't want the show to be dependent on that. But I think those make nice backdrops. I think it focuses and centers. And quite honestly, in much the same way that Star Wars suffered from a we weren't moving forward with the story, though Favreau and Filoni did such a great job of filling in the backstory that we're okay with it there, Star Trek suffer, is suffering a little bit from a, everything is in the past. Yeah. Nothing is current moving forward other than Picard. Than Picard. And so... I would, but this is close enough to the well, future. Well, now Discovery is too. And now Discovery is, right. But uh, this is close enough to Picard and time frame yep. that I would be okay if we saw some of the things that carried on. Yep. I would like to see some of the overworld plots that have begun yep. at least tangentially show up within this show. Yep. And that's not an every episode thing. You could overdo a good thing, and I don't prescribe to be a genius. Uh, on the level of the creators because I so love the first season and don't want them to break the spell. Yep. But I think Star Trek could use with a little move forward. Yep. <clears throat> or a better explanation of what took place in the past. Yeah. So filling in some of those gaps would be great. Let's see Utopian Planitia. Let's see some of the sites. A trip to Vulcan would be nice. Yep. These are some of the things that I would like to see. Trip to Kronos uh, as, would be nice. Go, I mean, that's, Kronos yeah. would, be, would be wonderful. Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah. post menu War Kronos? Please. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's, have a, yeah. let's have a Klingon. And by all means, at least to a season beyond Jonathan Frakes, who can be on the show whenever he freaking wants to. As far as I'm But let's have, if we can't get some of the other... Voyager, Next Gen, or DS9 actors on live programs. What? Since most of them, as long as they survived, are alive during this time frame, let's have yeah. let's have Tom Paris do something. <sighs> let's just say, hey, he like in military hops is a thing. He doesn't have to do anything with the plot, but just have him on the freaking ship, yeah, piloting a shuttlecraft or something. Piloting like a shuttlecraft, like, hey, I was in the area, or. Or yeah. whatever. Hey, I've been assigned here, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, for God's sake, promote Harry Kim. <laughs> oh. I, that's it. That's it. That's what I want to see from for, season two. Perpetual ensign. Perpetual ensign. I want Harry Kim. I, if they at least make him a, a lieutenant, a an commander, LLC, yeah. I would be impressed. Oh, make him an LLC first. Uh, I yeah. think that the point that you raise about Picard, though, is really, really good because Lower Decks is. It's not anti-Star Trek, but it is definitely the other side of the coin from Picard. Picard is, again, it's sort of that everyone is taking everything happening so seriously, right? And I think that your observation about how how nested Picard is in what has happened before, that is a rightfully big criticism of Picard. Picard season one was basically a build-on of the line from uh, from which... which uh, from the very end of Next Generation, right? Yeah. When Picard, as an old man, wants to go on another adventure and Riker finds himself in this position where it's like, well, if Captain, if Admiral Picard wants to go out on the stars for one more adventure, we're going to let him, right? Yeah. That was season one. Season one was all fan service. It, it yeah. just was. It was because everybody wanted to see more Captain Picard. I am excited about season three. And skeptical about season three with the appearance of Q. 
That's season two. Season two, I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Season two, and yeah. you're not wrong. Like, first of all, John Delancey yeah. loved season him. Season two, yeah. Love him. Uh, I think his character of Q oh, is fantastic. He's a fantastic character. He's done lots of good things. Um, <coughs> frightening and very creepy in, in uh, a movie that I watched, uh, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Scary. Uh, in that one. Uh, such a great actor. Mr. Delancey, thank you. We have not met yet either, but I humbly <laughs> say hashtag call your boys. I mean, how, how do you know that you haven't met Q? I guess it, I wouldn't. I mean, I could be Q. You could. My mic stand could Wait, be Q. Snap your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> that was, by the way, totally unrehearsed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you couldn't tell. <laughs> but I, I can definitely say that I am worried that the show will be so rooted into let's revisit all the cool things that we missed from the old show. Yep. Versus let's move forward. Yep. And while I need to revisit some of those old things, this is where, and we've talked about how truncated seasons are great for narrative, but can also sometimes be a catalyst. You have to kind of find that sweet spot. Yep. With a truncated season, if you're only doing six to eight, maybe ten episodes, and I don't know how many episodes season two will be. I haven't looked at the count on that. If that's what we're doing, my concern is we're going to get three seasons total. Now, maybe three, if we're lucky, we get four. I'm betting we're only going to get three out of this. But if we only get three seasons, that's 30 episodes. If every single thing we, every story we tell is revisit the old, we've yeah. not moved the story. Anymore. I mean, come on, who, like the big bad guy of season one, who are they? The Borg. Yeah, there's the Borg. Well, the, the and the Romulans. And some of them. Spoiler alert. Yeah. yeah. Some, you know. yeah spoiler alert, Romulans are bad guys. Yeah, spoiler alert. Um, yeah. Now, I thought they did that with great nuance, and don't get me wrong, I am not downing the show. I loved season one for all yeah. that it was, but... It doesn't move the narrative forward. Doesn't move the narrative forward. Yeah. And, and and so I guess my issue with Star uh, with Star Star Trek is, unless they do something similar to what they're doing over Disney Plus with Star Wars, where they have multiple shows where at least two of them are moving the narrative forward, we're going to have a problem. And it's easy to tell with Star Wars that Filoni is filling in the gaps. Yep. So that we have the ability to bypass the the most recent trilogy, Trash. I really didn't care for the new trilogy. I I think there were some things that were really good, but uh, about it, like yeah. elements. I thought I, the Last Jedi was only it was really the only good movie. The last movie was hot garbage. Yeah, like it really. Uh, I, like I just don't don't care for, and I don't often down things as badly as that. But I'm downing that. But I do think that with these shows, once we're done with the ones that we're in right now. We're going to start moving forward, and we can bypass the the bad movies, yeah. and we'll be able to move forward with the galaxy, the Star Wars galaxy, right. and 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 do great things. Unless Star Trek, and they might be trying to do this, can get that done. Yeah, it's going to be a struggle. I think the challenge with the show like Discovery is they went so far in the future that's too far. I mean that might be where the only new stories are though. Like that's the problem. Is yeah. that when you when you have a when you have a, a vehicle like Star Trek that says so much beyond what has been shot on film is canon and you're dealing with uh implications, you know, things that got set up in next generation that happened a hundred years later, and that's all it, when they're they're so strictly adhering to canon, you've almost gotta go a thousand years in the future to find new stories. And it's like I loved 
Anson Mount when he was on Discovery for that brief moment of time, right? When he was when he was captaining the ship, giving him his own show makes sense to me on a logical checkbook kind of level. I'm not sure that we need more stories in the original universe, though, in the original timeline. So here's, and why, that's, I, here's yeah. why I think we do. I think because of some of the time change elements mm-hmm. that have happened via Discovery, by putting its amount before Kirk, yep. it will allow us to do some subtle changes to canon. Yeah, but how do you do that with like the entirety of Next Generation and DS9? Well, you don't. Well, here's what I'm and saying. And Voyager. Right. You do some subtle changes to cat canon, tech level being the biggest one among them. Yep. Right? And you do that with an anthology, with a series that is episodic and not arc. Strange New Worlds is supposed to be akin to the, the original series in that it's episode, going to be episodic. There will be some arc-like properties, yep. so it'll be very similar to what we got in season three, four, five, and six of Next Gen. Next Gen, yep. Uh, versus DS9. Yep. So it's going to bring us back to that a little bit. Okay. And I think that's a good move. It can provide us some subtle changes, and then we can do something else. But honestly, the era I want to see is the Picard era, or actually the era right before that. Yep. Um, uh, which is where Lower Decks is. Yep. So if they did another series in well, that wait, time frame, that would be good. It, Lower Decks is not. Lower Decks is just after Picard. It's, no, it's, it's concurrent. It, Lower Decks starts direct. I think it's one year after. Um, after Nemesis. Yeah, okay, so that's just after yeah, Picard. Yeah, because Riker left yeah. the Enterprise at the end of ne- Nemesis. Oh, oh, you mean the show Picard. Picard. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, sorry. When you said the Picard era, I thought you meant like the era when Picard no, was I on screen. The Picard you mean, show yeah, 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 yeah. Era. Okay, okay. Right. Yep. Sorry. So I think with that, that Lower Decks time frame yep. is a great time frame for a new show. Yep. Because it is without a show. And while we've got Picard and we know that big Archie thing, it would be a great way to fill in the gaps for that show. Yeah. Like, so we can see, you don't necessarily have to have them deal with the Romulans or whatever, but you can see different things. You could have an event that may have been otherwise impacted by the destruction of Utopia Planitia. Take a lesson from from Rebels, where you've got, in Lower Decks, you've got individual things happening in the individuals, but you've also got this big swirling morass of stuff that happens above them that yep. every once in a while crap, crap drops down from it, right? Yeah, and, you know? and, and I think that that would be the perfect era to drop a new Star Trek. Yeah. We've got the technology to make it look really cool. Yep. They've already got some great uniform design elements to go yep. for. And canon for Star Trek is, by the way, different ships can use different uniforms. Right. So you can make the kind of aesthetic changes that you want to make for yep. that. Yep. And then you can make that arc-based or episodic-based or any mix therein you want. Yep. And I think that's the show that Star Trek fans, at least this yep. small corner of the Star Trek fandom, really, really yep. want. Yep. I agree, and I would really like to see Lower Deck starting to push that a little bit more in season two. I want to, yeah. I want to see that hap- that start to happen, and I really hope I'm, you know, I've got to go ahead and check out the first couple of episodes to kind of see where, where how how much that needle is moving. Yeah. Uh, can you, without spoilers for for episode one, weigh in on whether or not you think that that's a direction that they're going? They're not going that direction with Lower Decks. I think Lower Decks is going to largely remain fairly static with yeah. what we got in season one. Yep. So I we think, need a new show. I think the humor is going yeah. to be just as good. Like, I always laugh out loud uh, with this one as well. Yep. I do think there is going to be a little more arky in this than there was because 
there is something that happens at the end of episode one that okay. is more arc-like cool. than we saw in season one. All right. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. You can join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. And make sure you join our growing online community. You can follow us on Twitter at TT Journeys and join us on Facebook just by searching Tabletop Journeys there. You can also reach us by email at podcast at ttjourneys.com. And if you want to catch early access to our episodes and some of the other benefits we have coming down the pipeline, you can also support our production at patreon.com slash ttjourneys. If you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, Audible, or any other podcast platform, we would really appreciate if you would like and subscribe to the podcast. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays and every Wednesdays. We'll feature our side quest series where we talk about pretty much anything tabletop oriented. Thank you all so much for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler on our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.